Today, I'm super excited to share my interview with Drs. Stephanie and Eric Van Watson, the co-founders of Serafina Therapeutics, which is the holding company of Fatty15. What is Fatty15? Well, <laughs> Fatty15 is the first essential fatty acid to be discovered in 90 years. And what makes it super special is that it is a saturated fatty acid. The other two known essential fatty acids are both polyunsaturated fatty acid, and fatty 15 is instead a saturated fatty acid. And what makes it so unique is the fact that it has an odd number of carbons. The structure of fatty 15 is C150, which is geek speak for an odd chain saturated fatty acid. Now, the research behind this particular fatty acid is something that we'll get into depth into in today's episode um, with Stephanie and Eric. And just a little uh, just a little glimpse into that discussion is around liver health and specifically how fatty 15 might help in cases of NAFLD, so this is non-alcoholic fatty liver disease, also known as non-alcoholic also known as non-alcoholic steatohepatitis. So, just to give a little bit more of background for both Stephanie and Eric, Stephanie is a serial entrepreneur. She's a veterinary epidemiologist and also public health scientist with over 50 patents and 80 peer-reviewed scientific publications. She's previously served as an epidemiologist for the U.S. Navy, for the CDC, and for the WHO, the World Health Organization. Her novel approach to discovering new therapeutics that benefit both human and animal health has been featured on NPR's Science Friday, CBS, the BBC, and National Geographic. For her entrepreneurial work in the health sector, Stephanie was awarded the Department of Health and Human Services Secretary's Award for Innovations in Disease Prevention and Health Promotion. She holds her BS in Animal Physiology and Neuroscience from UC San Diego, her Doctors of Veter Veterinary Medicine from Tufts University, and her MPH from Emory. She is also or was also a National Research Council associate with the Armed Forces Medical Intelligence Center and is an Albert Schweitzer Fellow for Life. Eric Finn Watson is a practicing physician and an entrepreneur. He's served over 25 years as a Navy and Marine Corps physician. He's worked with the Special Forces community to improve their health and fitness. And Eric co-founded multiple companies in the drug discovery, healthcare analytics, and medical device industries. He's passionate about developing medical technologies that improve the practice and delivery of healthcare on a global scale. And for his entrepreneurial work in the health sector, Eric was awarded the San Diego Business Journal's Award for Best Military Veteran Entrepreneur. And with that, let's launch into today's episode. 
Welcome to Holistic Wellness, a podcast exploring the science and metaphysics of health and wellness. I'm your host, Brandi Searcy, founder and formulator at Rain Organica, where you'll find holistic skincare in one simple routine. Can you share just, well, okay, maybe for the people out there listening who don't know yet what an essential fatty acid is, let's start there. Sure. Okay. So an essential fatty acid is a nutrient, a a fat, a fatty acid that our bodies need in order to maintain our baseline health. So it means we have to have certain levels in our body in order to just stay baseline healthy, but our bodies don't make it on its own. Therefore, we have to get these fatty acids from our diet. So that makes it an essential fatty acid. And there are currently 13 uh, vitamins and two essential fatty acids, right? Vitamin A, vitamin D, and then two omega-3s, one type of omega-3, one, sorry, one type of omega-3, one type of omega-6, ALA and LA that are considered essential. And we discovered that there is a third, which is called C15 as an essential fatty acid. And how did you discover that C15 is an essential fatty acid? Sure. The funnest origin story ever, right? An <laughs> essential fatty acid. So uh, I'm a veterinarian, a veterinary epidemiologist, and was working for the U.S. Navy, um, helping to care for their uh, population of bottlenose dolphins that live in the open ocean in San Diego Bay, an incredible population of um, large brain, long-lived mammals uh, that at the Navy live on average 50% longer than dolphins in the wild. Really incredible population. And as the Navy had this increasing population of older bottlenose dolphins, geriatric dolphins, we went to understand basically what in the fish diet predicted the healthiest aging dolphins uh, in this population. And one of the reasons we looked for it was our primary uh, goal was to help improve the health of Navy dolphins, help them live as long and happy as possible. We noticed that some dolphins age healthier than other dolphins, and that led to our use of this advanced technology called metabolomics. It's the study of thousands of small molecules um, in our body and in dolphins' bodies that help basically help us work. And so we used metabolomics to look at, to basically compare these molecules in healthy versus less healthy aging dolphins. And long story short, we discovered a, a list of about a hundred small molecules that predicted healthy aging dolphins that had lower cholesterol, um, less inflammation, healthier livers, et cetera, et cetera. And, we've, and among these hundred um, predictors of healthy dolphins, and uh, near the top was C15, also called pentadecanoic acid, that was highest in the healthiest aging dolphins. And then we took all that data, right? And then we started working on it in, on the human side to see if we were seeing the same results in humans. And to make a very long story <laughs> short, published in Nature, check it out. <laughs> okay, that's awesome. Definitely linking to that in uh, the show notes for this episode. Great, thanks. So with these two, where did you go from there? After do you, after you discovered this list of approximately 100 different metabolites in the healthiest of the dolphins, 
Um, how did you arrive at even those even though C15 was near the top of that list, how did you arrive at C15 really being the beneficial metabolite? So we, you know, our hypothesis, you know, because all dolphins eat are healthy fish, our hypothesis initially was that it was going to be the omegas, right? It's going to be omega-3, omega-6. We predict the healthiest aging dolphins because they were eating some type of you know, fish that was healthy, higher in omega-3s. And so we were specifically looking for fish-based nutrients as what would be top contenders on our list, Brandy. And so what happened though, was that omega, neither omega-3 nor omega-6 made that top list. And instead we, as we looked at the molecules that made the top predictors of the healthiest dolphins, we wanted to see which ones could potentially uh, meet that definition of essential, which is that if we got more of it in our diet or dolphins got more in their diet, that we could increase those levels in the body and confer that benefit. This is differentiating it from molecules that our body makes. Um, so it's a little harder to control how our body, how much uh, molecule our body makes. We can much better control a molecule that's coming from the diet, specifically the fish, and raise it. So that's how we narrowed it down from the initial 100, uh, which we are studying all of them. But to pick that, like you said, how do you pick that first one? We picked C15 because it was, it looked like it was meeting this criteria of being a fish-based nutrient that if the dolphins ate more of it, they could raise their levels and therefore we could have control over conferring that benefit. Okay. After, essentially after establishing that C15 was so beneficial, were you able to backtrack to what was different in their diet, where they were getting it naturally. And it expands to the human question of where do we get this naturally in our diets? Sure, I'll start with the fish part. Okay. And then Eric can talk about the, the human, I'll talk about the dolphin part and uh, Eric can, can share the human part. So for the dolphins, they were getting different types of fish um, fed to them. So they didn't all, not all dolphins, received the same fish-based diet. The nice thing about the Navy is they very, they were very closely tracking the specific diets that each dolphin was getting. And we found that uh, a couple types of the fish uh, that were being fed to the Navy dolphins had no C15 in it. So the first thing we did after we detected C15 as a predictor of better health is we went straight to really the five types of fish that were being fed to the Navy dolphins. We then submitted those fish for fatty acid analysis. And we were surprised to show that some fish had no detectable C15, while other fish had relatively high levels of C15. So that kind of, again, created a, a wonderful moment to say, gosh, this is something we could intervene in. And what happens just if we do something simple, like give dolphins a diet that's uh, strictly with higher C15 fish. And by we did that, and we showed that C15 levels increased in the dolphins and that we saw conferred benefits. So that's kind of what tipped us off to, um, to how we could um, influence and raise C15 levels just based upon dietary changes. And then for humans, 
Yeah, so on our side, we get most of our C15 from whole fat milk and dairy. And so it isn't some fish, usually in the skin and heads, and there's some plants as well, but they're in very small amounts. So as a society, as we have stopped drinking whole fat dairy products and eating whole fat dairy products, we have been getting less and less of this C15 in this class of molecules, odd chain uh, fat saturated fatty acids into our diet. So in effect, we have created iatrogenically a deficiency as we have changed our eating habits. And certainly now we're moving to, you know, plant-based um, milk replacements and food replacements. And many of those are also deficient in C15. So hence the deficiency is, is getting larger as we're moving forward as a society in this molecule. Okay, I have a follow-up question for that. What about butter? And then also what about ghee? Yeah. Yeah. So it's a great question. So butter, absolutely. In fact, it, butter is one of the highest C15 uh, content foods along with ghee because okay. it's basically concentrated um, uh, dairy fat, right? And so it's, uh, it's a good source of C15. The only thing with that we have found with um, whole fat dairy products and other foods that have C15 is it's accompanied by um, even chain saturated fat. So we're talking about C15, it has an odd number, right? So odd number of carbons in the chain, it ends up odd chain saturated fats are conferring this health, these health benefits, while even chain saturated fats like C16 and C18 present in much higher levels in these same types of foods like butter um, continue to be associated with what we're traditionally used to hearing about saturated fats, which is increased risk of type two diabetes, increased risk of heart disease. So our challenge was how can we bring out uh, and offer the good odd chain saturated fat without it having to be combined in foods with the even chain. No, we are not saying go eat three sticks of butter every day because <laughs> you would get a whole lot of the even chain saturated fatty acids and with whole fat milk, so a lot of the calories as well, which would potentially be not beneficial for your health. Okay. All right, I have a whole slew of follow-up questions um, on this. Maybe just kind of rounding out how uh, saturated fats are handled by the body. Cause I really was under the impression that if you, if you ingest saturated fats of any sort, then your body takes on the, uh, work of converting those into longer chain fatty acids. So the fact that this C15 is missing was a surprise to me. Would you guys be able to talk about that a little bit more? Sure. So, so we have a society, right. have been told to avoid all types of saturated saturated fats. And that those recommendations continue to permeate, I know the, the federal and global recommendations today were, were part of a movement um, to help educate people with that there's growing science now um, differentiating between good and bad saturated fatty acids, where the good fatty acids, saturated fats are odd chain the bad saturated fats are even chain. And importantly, Brandy, this isn't just coming from us. We had you know, published this paper in scientific reports back in May of 2020, proposing C15 as not only a good and beneficial saturated fat, but one that met the criteria of being an essential fatty acid. 
Since then, there have been over two dozen studies coming from Harvard and Cambridge and Johns Hopkins and Kaiser Permanente, all showing that the same difference, that odd chain saturated fats, um, including C15, are associated with better health, lower risk of diabetes, lower risk of, of heart disease, of heart failure, um, you know, uh, basically a milieu of chronic um, conditions associated with metabolic and heart health. The opposite in the same studies, they found that higher levels of even chain saturated fats associated with an increased risk of these same diseases. So there's a, been a very clear and consistent differentiation between good and bad saturated fats. That's been now well established in the scientific realm. So now it's really about educating um, the um, general public about these scientific findings and what does that mean from you know nutritional recommendations? Yeah, and as far as how they're metabolized, and I'll, I'll let you yeah. expand further. But but so we actually thought it was C seventeen at first, and so it took um, studies uh, from there, which you know Steph have showed shared they've been published to show that in fact the Goldilocks, the building block, the essential molecule was C fifteen, and like you said, that gets elongated. And it actually adds two carbons and then forms the other uh, chain saturated fatty acid, whereas the even chains are metabolized in, in a different way. Yeah. And then the last thing I'll mention is that why is one, why is odd versus even make such a big difference on whether it's good or bad? And the answer appears at least in part to lie into how it's metabolized. So instead of how it's built up, it's how it's broken down. That when even chain saturated fatty acids break down, they always break down by two carbons. So the end result, the end metabolite is acetoacetic acid, which is a pro-diabetic metabolite. Odd chain fatty acids, also always break down by two carbons. So they're always stay odd, the evens always stay even. So the odd chain saturated fats break down it to become propionic acid, which is a healthy um, uh, metabolite that has been associated with good health. So the answer today, as far as um, one explanation for the why the difference between the two appears to be uh, the metabolites to which they're broken down into good and bad metabolites. Okay. Um, all right. Sorry. I, I was just thinking about botanical oils and the saturated fats that are in them. And most of the time you're right. They're all even chain. Um, I think the only other question around this is what about carbohydrates? Is it possible to synthesize is it possible for the body to make an odd chain uh, saturated fatty acid from carbs or is it always even chain from those as well? Yeah, it's, it's a great question. So it's, it's appears that it's only the even chain uh, okay. that are made from, from carbohydrates and other, at least from a primary source. It's the science is pretty clean and clear that with C15, uh, again, this being a, a Goldilocks odd chain fatty acid that our body doesn't make enough of it, whether it's building up from other products or being broken down, um, that it really is meeting, again, this rare criteria of being an essential fatty acid where we need to put it into our bodies so that it can go, go to work and help be beneficial in itself, but also create metabolites that are beneficial as well. Okay. 
how much of it do we need in our daily diet? So if we look at what we used to eat, so if we look back at the 40s and 50s, right? Because if you know the, the data are supporting, we know that our C15 levels as a population have been declining. And it makes sense because we're eating less food that has C15 in it. So if we go back to where we uh, used as a population used to drink plenty of whole fat cows, milk, and meat, whole fat dairy, the average intake was usually was usually between 100 to 300 milligrams per day. So it's not a massive amount. It's not a lot, but our bodies appear to be very sensitive and very attuned to if we get just the low end or the low side of that, it tips into what appears to be a nutritional deficiency syndrome versus being able to maintain our baseline health. So it's a very narrow line, which is great because, you know, from a supplement or food additive perspective, it's not difficult to be able to provide a highly bioavailable and pure C15 to help meet those daily nutritional needs. Okay. So what are some of the health detriments that are seen when we fall into this deficient state? Yeah, so the hypothesis, right, is that C15 deficiencies, nutritional deficiencies may in fact be driving the global pandemics of type two diabetes, heart disease, and fatty liver disease. So probably the most compelling today is this disease called non-alcoholic fatty liver disease or NAFLD, you know it, you know it well, yeah. right? That advances into uh, an aggressive disease called NASH, which is uh, you know leading cause of liver transplants, now present in one in four people globally and, is, and at one in 10 children. So this shocking disease that came out of nowhere, right? Right. Um, yeah. So, so, uh, uh, so the, the, the question is, so as we had actually detected um, before the C15 discovery that uh, one of the conditions that older dolphins can develop is NAFLD, is fatty liver disease. It kind of started this whole parallel between human um, and uh, dolphin nutrition and health. So we were approached by Dr. Jeff Schwimmer, who started the first fatty liver disease clinic um, for children at Rady Children's Hospital. Jeff read this study that we talked about NAFLD and dolphins, and he said, oh, no way. It's the same disease that we're seeing in kids. He's like, send me, um, you know, send me some dolphin liver uh, tissues that you have in the archives and let me take a look. And he came back, Brandy, and he said, he's like, I'll never forget the email. It said, we are a go. The dolphins are getting the exact same liver disease as we're seeing emerging in children and you know adults globally. So this is fascinating because dolphins don't eat sugar. <laughs> and <we're, laughs> so one of the leading hypotheses for fatty liver disease was carbs and sugars. So he's just like, you just blew that out of the water, right? For for at least for dolphins. So when we looked as we've, um, so Jeff started looking into the C15 deficiency um, hypothesis, and he published a study last year where he looked at um, livers of over 300 children um, using digital um, radiography. Um, yeah, thank you, MRI. And he showed 
uh, in fact, that the higher amount of C15 children had in their blood was inversely correlated with the amount of fat they had in their liver. So we're sitting there and, and we're mapping out when whole fat dairy milk started getting removed from schools by USDA and when pediatricians started telling parents that their kids need to come off whole fat milk. And it coincided with within about five to 10 years of fatty liver disease coming on the scene. So, right. So, so now it's just like, okay, well, did we like, uh, you know, did we cause, have we caused a whole new disease, um, which is becoming quite serious globally, number one cause of liver cancer in children um, by that is a fatty liver disease by removing a saturated fat. And so we're, um, Jeff is now leading the first uh, clinical trial with um, a C15 supplement uh, among young adults who have a history of fatty liver disease. Um, so the good news is that this is something that we can easily act upon, right? So if, if in fact, it's not just fatty liver disease, but the associated metabolic syndrome, type two diabetes, heart disease, that just by replenishing C15 back in our diet, that we can, you know, it's very, we all want to say that we want to change the world, but I can honestly say that the dolphins have gifted us with an opportunity to truly help improve the world, uh, global health. So it's really, it's exciting um, uh, avenue that we're pursuing. Yeah, I'd say that's very exciting. <laughs> that, I mean, that's fantastic. Okay, how, um, just thinking along those lines, do you know how the C15 is actually helping or, you know, the additional C17, other odd chain fatty acids that are made from the C15, do you know how those are helping the liver? Is it helping it during a detox process or is it helping, what is it doing exactly? So um, we have uh, a lot has emerged about how C15 works uh, just over the last 18, 12 to 18 months, uh, which is really exciting. So we've been able to show. So first of all, nature has done an amazing job at, at uh, creating a molecule that uh, every mammal is given at birth, right? Because it's in milk, um, including mom's breast milk and, and uh, moving forward through the dairy products. And so this um, molecule, C15, does a lot of things. So it's not like one target, like you think about a drug targets one thing and it has this single targeted benefit, which makes sense as an essential fatty acid that it's, it's called pleiotropic, which means it does a lot of different things. At the cellular level, C15 is a sturdy, saturated fat that goes into our cell membranes. Remember those lipid bilayer membranes yeah. that we have? So it's a lipid. So it goes into the cell membrane. And because it's a sturdy um, fat, unlike you know omega-3s and omega-6s are oils, and so they are um, less stable and susceptible to oxidation in our cells, C15 serves kind of a yin and yang role with the omega-3s in which it's stable, not susceptible to oxidation and keeps our cells sturdy um, and strong. So they're less likely to break down in the face of like in the liver or in the heart um, that kind of exacerbates the inflammatory state in our tissues. So it makes cells stronger. We've also been able to show that it repairs mitochondrial function. So mitochondria 
um, uh, as they as we get older, our mitochondria stop functioning as well. It's a huge contributor to chronic diseases. And so we've been able to show that C15 has a direct effect on repairing mitochondrial function, giving energy to the cells. And then the third cellular-based benefit that we had discovered was that it helps improve cellular signaling. So there are these receptors throughout our body called PPARs, alpha and delta, and these are well known to regulate our immunity, metabolism, but also our mood, appetite, and sleep. So it's like a, a mega a mega receptor group. And we've been able to show that C15 naturally activates these receptors to help regulate um, you know, inflammation uh, and metabolism. And, and so it has well-documented benefits, which again, makes sense. They're like little hammocks that have been sitting around waiting to be activated by eating the right foods. So those are the main benefits. And then that ladders up to, uh, we've been able to show in the blood um, based studies that by doing this, um, it's been C15 supplementation has been shown to decrease a cholesterol, glucose, uh, multiple over 35 different um, components of inflammation. And so all of that uh, combines to provide again, this whole body health and how can it have all these benefits with regard to decreasing the risk of diabetes and heart disease? That was a long answer. <laughs> yeah, this, I mean, this conversation is just fascinating. I had no idea. Also with C15, you, so you mentioned that the, um, that the even chain fatty acids are associated more with a probiotic, a pro-diabetic state with the um, odd chain fatty acids. Are they associated with, do they help improve insulin sensitivity within the body? They, they do. And so we, we have seen that in studies and that is even you know further back by these large uh, population-based studies where they tracked tens of thousands of people over you know, a decade or more showing that people with higher C15 are less likely to develop um, type two diabetes. Shorter um, studies with smaller groups of people have dug in further and shown that, has, that um, C15 is associated with a improved um, glucose handling uh, and therefore decreased um, issues with regard to, to insulin. And then when we get down to the cellular level, uh, a couple of groups, um, uh, one group showed that C15 is also an activator of what's called AMPK. And AMPK is actually the same mechanism as metformin, which is one of the top um, you know, treatments for diabetes. And so they were able to show in cell-based systems that C15 activated AMPK and as a result helped with regulating um, glucose uptake in the cells. Okay. What does this mean for the obesity epidemic? Yeah, it's, it's, it's interesting. I mean, you know, this is a uh, saturated fat that uh, has one calorie. And so we've seen, you know, with the PPAR activation, people are feel satiety. I mean, they are less hungry. And so, you know, we're not, this is not something we want to say, take this and lose weight. That's, that's not the point, but you activate the PPARs, the orchestrators of metabolism and, you know, weight loss or that feeling of satiety is something that goes along with that. So could help, 
and is has have c15 deficiencies you know driven uh certainly we have evidence that it's driving these chronic um cardiometabolic diseases a component a large component of which is obesity so again it just it completely goes against everything we've been taught right which is like saturated fat and and brandy you're on the you're already well aware of you know the carbide it's more the the pandemic issues and and the problems more increasingly point less to the wrong fats and more to too many carbohydrates and sugars. Yeah. So it's and we're you learning can see a lot. why we're why we're trying to change the dietary guidelines around saturated fats. In fact, there's been a movement to change the name of saturated fats to stable versus unstable. Stable being the saturated fats, unstable being other fats like you know the pufas and things like that. Um, you know, we had the same question: obesity, uh, diabetes, you know, hypercholesterolemia, and so hence. Uh, the reason we started the clinical trial for metabolic syndrome, looking at the precursors to all these diseases. And, you know, one of the things that's amazing about the dolphins is they have the precursors to many of these diseases. They can get metabolic syndrome, but they don't get the end stage. So, you know, they're a very healthy population to understand how early diseases manifest themselves into things like metabolic syndrome. And so part of the reason we did the clinical trial um, with the population Steph mentioned, uh, which is younger adults, is because they have the precursors. They have metabolic syndrome, but they don't have any of the end stages. And generally, they're not on long-term medications, and you know they haven't had that much time to manifest. So that study is near completion, so we'll have more, more results soon. For the supplement that fatty 15 sells, how do you guys make your, or where do you, where do you source your C15 from? Right. No one had ever made this before. Right. So, so that was um, bad because we had to develop, it It was good because we got to develop the perfect ingredient. And so we vetted a lot of different ways to make this. Ultimately, we wanted to use something that was sustainable, that was plant-based and that could be scaled so we can, you know, provide this to people living in Africa in hot environments. And so we use plant-based starting materials and then we develop a pure, almost 100% powder C15 that's vegan friendly, that's sustainable, that is scalable. So we spent a lot of time making the ingredient that we thought would be the perfect ingredient. Okay. Would you be able to talk a little bit about the isolation process for it from the plant material to uh, what you pack into your, and here it's a capsule, right? It is, right. So it's a pure powder capsule. The capsule you see has no fillers, no nothing. It is literally 100%, you know, C15. And so we start with C14, which is a building block, right? And that can be from different plant-based sources like nutmeg and coconut. And then, um, you know, we add a carbon to it and make it, uh, you know, very pure, um, so that it's it's something that we can um, scale. It's something sustainable that doesn't come from an animal source. It is uh, non-allergen. You know, it doesn't have allergens. It has nothing that people allergic to coconut or to you know 
nuts or nutmeg would be uh, allergic to. And so that ingredient, uh, we went ahead and got grass status for. So, you know, submitting the safety studies and having a panel of experts look at it and determine that it was safe um, up to, you know, 250 milligrams for uh, people four years and older and during pregnancy and while you're lactating and, and that. So it's a very safe molecule and the way we make it. And the, the other reason to make that was, you know, it's, it's something that has a very long shelf life. So it's not, it's, it's very resistant to oxidation and to going rancid and some of the, the problems you run into with other, you know, essential fatty acids. And so, you know, we spent a lot of time doing that. Uh, and so it was nice because, you know, the 11 months after we launched, we won the Nutrient Ingredients and Nutritional Outlook Awards for, you know, Ingredient Producer of the Year, which was, which was great. Yeah. And speaking of sustainability, you guys have a very, uh, a very nice way of packaging it as well, right? Yeah. Um, you know, what we're trying to do is create something that's good for the world, good for our health and good for the world too. And so we wanted to create packaging that was on the same level as this ingredient. So no plastics, all sustainable. We use glass, we use bamboo. We send you a bottle that is empty at first. So you can put um, your capsules into it. The capsules come in recycled um, pouches um, that you can use. Um, so you get a bottle once and then we send you refills uh, for the future. And that keeps the footprint very low, the shipping weights low, the sustainability and you know the, the good for the environment um, theme um, going. Okay. Another question about uh, where you're growing these plants or what farms, I guess, what countries you're uh, working with farms in, what countries are you working with farms in? Yeah. And so we looked at uh, a variety of people to make this, you know, to help um, make this and be able to scale it. Um, because, you know, the scaling up process to where we are now, which is, you know, 10 tons of capability is actually not, not that easy to do. And so um, we required um, manufacturers that were knowledgeable in, in, you know, pharmaceuticals, but also in food grade products. And there's actually not that many that met our criteria of, you know, GMP, FDA, you know, appropriate um, and so we currently work with two um, manufacturers. One is in the EU and one is in um, the United States. Okay. Sir, one of the questions that I uh, forgot to ask when we were on this part of the conversation, how do cows make C15? So cows, it's a great question. So cows make C15 in their rumen. They have a very unique population of bacteria. And so it's these bacteria in the cow's rumen that are C15 making machines. Okay. And when the bacteria make the C15, it then passes through the rumen and gets absorbed. It becomes part of the milk product. So that's how they generate, which is uh, another interesting aspect that's been looked at is that because C15 is made by bacteria in the rumen, as uh, cows have been fed different diets, uh, that influences how much C15 is in their milk. So as cows have been moving away from their, their richest source of um, C15 producing bacteria is, is best fostered by uh, grass-fed 
diets. So grass-fed butter um, is anticipated um, to have actually higher C15 than other types you know, based upon the, the cow's diet. Interestingly, there was a study uh, done that even showed sheep, because this accounts for all ruminants, so whether you're a cow or sheep, showed that sheep, based upon the time of the year and which part of a mountain they were grazing off of, dictated how much C15 they got in their diet because of where the plants were on the mountain, and then that drove how much C15 was in their milk. So it becomes very sensitive. So if we even look today, the high whole fat milk that we drank from the 1950s is absolutely expected to be have have, have had higher C15 than the you know what's present in whole fat milk today. Again, among non grass fed. Yeah, um, and if we cows. look in our oceans, the same thing is happening. Whereas mm -hmm. you know the warming of the oceans uh, have left us with fish that have less less fat in them and less C15. Um, so it's kind of happening across land and oceans. <laughs> Okay, this is by far the most fascinating conversation I've had on the podcast. We love it. Is there anything that we haven't talked about yet that you guys would like to talk about either as related to C15 or as related? Because I would like to circle back around and ask, as you look more and more at the metabolomics and if you identify additional compounds that you would like to take that you would like to provide as supplements is your intention to offer those through fatty 15 or to generate another company for those or is it too early at this point to know yeah it's a, a lot of things to unpack there which is fun you know so so one you know we would like help with getting this word out right and so yeah. you know it, it's it's like you know we've we've been essential fatty acid vitamins have been around for a long time those discoveries were made a long time ago. Um, it is amazing that we haven't discovered other ones in the last 90 years. So we're trying to, you know, open up a, 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 another avenue of nutrition, a new, new age of nutrition to say that, you know, using these advanced technologies like the multi-omics and metabolomics, you can actually find uh, nutrients that are essential, essential micro, micronutrients. And so one of these, you know, in our first, as you led it to, uh, is the C15 molecule. And the world needs to know that, you know, not all fats are bad, which I think every, people are starting to, to realize, but not all saturated fats are bad. And in fact, some are essential for our diet and we may be deficient in it. And so, you know, our goal is to get the word out and hence, you know, we are, FA15, fatty acid 15 is a food ingredient. And that's what we would like to get out to the world. Part of the way we're doing that is through this supplement. And we named it fatty 15, right? Because it's an essential fat that's got 15 carbons in its backbone. But part of that name was to get the to get the word out, to get people talking about, you know, that this is an essential part of our diet that we're missing. So any help in getting that word out is outstanding and very much appreciated. Well, thank you both so much for being here. As we begin to wrap up, how can people connect with you? Sure. Well, they can visit us at fatty15.com. <laughs> That's pretty straightforward. Uh, and then we have an info at fatty15.com uh, that we're very accessible. Uh, if people wanted to reach out, ask questions, share their thoughts, we are uh, a startup 
military family uh, and we're very eager to be able to do well and do good. And um, Brandy, thank you for the opportunity to be able to share the story. And we hope that you know people really start talking about it, chatting about it, and we'll continue to follow the science. And uh, we're confident that uh, C15 is, is just the first and there's just a lot more discoveries to be made be made again, not just by us, but uh, by by the world as these wonderful technologies uh, really come to light, not just in the, the drug and uh, development world, but it just as importantly in the nutrition space too. And we'll leave you with, um, on that note, we do have another discovery that knock on wood will be published uh, relatively soon. So stay tuned. Stay tuned. <laughs> okay, great. Well, thank you, Eric and Stephanie, both for being here today. This has been a great conversation. Great. Thanks, Brandon. It's been a pleasure. Super fun.